Hallelujah. Uh, I've been trying to wait for people to connect. You see. Um, you know, uh, yesterday after the service, I, I, I was I was thinking of the message and I was thinking of looking over at everything again. You see, for you to live a victorious life, right? You must understand what we said yesterday, and that has to be the basis from where you operate life. Um, I understand that sometimes we, we don't want to be spiritual, right? We don't want to be seen as fanatics. But the truth is, if if we are not fanatics, right? We might find ourselves in places where we are losing battles. Not because God is not able, but because we are not fully established in the way he works. Hallelujah. Amen. And in the instruments of the war we are fighting. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, that basis where we were speaking from yesterday. Let, let's read that scripture again. First Samuel chapter 7. Because you must understand that that is the way we operate. And there is no other way. Because if you are thinking that there is another way, then you will lose. Look at it. Let's read that, uh, that scripture again. First Samuel chapter seven, from verse one. And the men of, and the men of Kedarani came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, and brought it into the house of Abinadab, in the hill. And, and brought it in the, into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son, volume, yeah, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kidararim, Kijat Jarim, I'm trying to pronounce this word right, <laughs> that the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, and put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balin and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only, 
And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mispeh, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mispeh and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day and said, There, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mispeh. Now, my point of emphasis comes from 7 to 13. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered to miss, together to Mispeh, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpeh and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Betka. Then Samuel took a stone, verse 12, and set it between Mizpeh and Shem, and called the name of it El Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto had the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel. Oh, there's restoration coming to you today in the name of Jesus. From Ekron even unto Gath. And the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and Amorites. Hallelujah. Now, what I was trying to explain to you is this. Look at Samuel's first response to the attack of the Philistines. Samuel did not call for the army forces. Samuel did not call for them to buy more weapons. Samuel did not call for the council of elders to gather together. Samuel did not call for a pity party. The Bible said, Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up for a whole burnt offering. Hallelujah. That's our response. Our response always in the midst of circumstances and situations, in the midst of trials and tribulation, in the midst of persecution, when things are not going the way we want them to go, our first response is the sacrifice of Jesus. We lift off that cross. That's our first response. Look at it. Verse 12, the Bible said, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpeh and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto, as the Lord helped us. I was going to some other translation. That word Ebenezer there, it means monument of help. Amen. The Amplifier says, It set up a monument of help. The cross of Christ is our monument of help. That place where Jesus said, shed his blood. Listen, let me tell you, there's nothing in the Bible that is mercy. You know, I was listening to Pastor Chris Oyakilomi this afternoon. And that's one of the things he was saying. He was saying that, that there are some things in the Bible that you just have to understand how it is 
and not take its place and, and not try to move those boundaries. Listen, the, the Bible is the word of God. Everything that men said there, God God categorically emphasized it and God wanted it to be there. God wanted it written. The Bible is God breath. So see, listen, so, so there are no details to be taken for granted. The Bible said that Jesus carried that cross on his bare back and took it to Golgotha. Golgotha is a hill. So when the Bible said that the, that Samuel took a stone and set it with him, his pen and said, I call the name of Ebenezer, monument of help. He, see, listen, Golgotha was a place where the whole of Israel could see. So when Jesus hung on that cross, the whole of Israel could see him hanging there. They could see that this man was sinless. They could see that this man had done nothing. The high priest came and examined him. And the high priest said, yeah, in fact, the guy washed his hands and said, this guy is innocent. Mm -hmm. Jesus died for the guilty. Jesus took our place upon that cross. So that helpless as we are right now, when we look at that cross, we receive help discouraged as we are right now when we look at that cross we'll see ourselves dying there and we'll receive help the life that i live right now in the flesh i live not on myself it is not i that live it because i died on that cross i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and exchanged himself for me christianity is an exchange life until you see yourself having died on that cross there's no victory for you you will keep shuffling between situations and circumstances, between habits and happenstances. Jesus took our place. It's a monument of help. The cross is our monument of help. It is where we exchange strength. He took all of our failings upon himself. He took, he, he took up all of our frailty, all of man's faults, all of man's sins, all of man's discouragement, all of man's failings. Listen, the Bible said that I see, I see a, I see something wrong happening around. I see the children of God begging, and I see the children of of. How, let me put it in my broken translation because I'm trying to quote the scripture, it's not coming. I see the children of God trekking and I see the children of the world driving la Lamborghinis. Because we've not understood our place. Listen, when situations and circumstances face you, the first thing is not your effort. There is nothing in your self-effort that can give you what Jesus deserves. Do you know what that sacrifice is? A God-man coming to die for you. He was full of, in fact, Jesus was strength himself. He was power himself. He didn't have power. He was power. He didn't have life. He was life. He, listen, Jesus did not have righteousness. He was righteousness. He was holiness himself. Then he took your pain. He took your shame. He took your failure. He took your, he took your, I mean, he took your failings. He took your frailty. He became it all on that cross. So that when you look, you will see that the price has been paid. That's why he died. He died so that you will see yourself having died. God cannot be weak. God cannot be poor. 
God cannot fail. But he failed there. Because he took us upon himself. Adam! If you can see that right now, then you can see that as he died and went to hell and resurrected and came as a new man and gave that life to you, the life that you live right now, you live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. So right now, that victorious life is in you. The failed man died and has been done away with. Now a new man has arrived. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things have passed away. Listen, what I'm saying right now, that's why I'm preaching with so much anger because I'm speaking as a prophet to you right now. Listen, it is time for you to start riding on horses. I declare palace experiences to you right now. Things are turning. This earth belongs to us. And we have to understand our place in this sacrifice. Ebenezer. That's why Jesus died on that cross. So that you can look at him and receive total victory. Absolute victory. I mean, when I say absolute power, and I know what it means in government. But that's what the Christian has. He has absolute power. You are unstoppable. You should be able to look at circumstances and situations in the face and tell them I am greater than you. Listen, I'm going ahead of myself, you know, because there's, there's something boiling on my heart. But you see, you have to understand the plan of God for you. You see, and that plan, the Bible says, is good and not evil. It's a plan to give you peace and to bring you to an expected end. You see, God is gracious and compassionate. He's full of mercy and he wants you well. Holy, spirit, soul and body. He wants you well. You know all ramifications of life. But you see, you must also understand that there is a devil out there. And his plan for you is evil. See, the devil will go to any length to distort you from experiencing God's plan. Remember, the moment the Israelites made up their mind to follow God, the Philistines came up against them. So you should expect it. You should expect it. You should expect it. I mean, the moment they just said, okay. I mean, look look at the year. We were happy 2020. We said, okay, we are going to rejoice. We are going to be glad. We are going to enjoy God's goodness. We are going to enjoy perfection, right? Then came all this. But we should have expected it. And then instead of we raising up the sacrifice of Jesus, raising up the blood of Jesus, we were there trying to figure out <laughs> with, with the government. <laughs> we're there thinking. We want to grow rich. No, 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 no. You see, listen, just because you are a child of God, or just because you are crossing all your teeth and dotting all your eyes, does not mean the devil will not attack you. No, 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 no. The Christian life is a call to conquer and overcome. That means you should expect circumstances and situations that are opposed to your conquering and 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 overcoming hallelujah let me show you go go with me to um, genesis let me just read some some let me show you god's plan genesis chapter where will i reach okay uh, you know genesis chapter one says uh in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth hallelujah 
So you see, God created the heavens and the earth. Praise God. God created it. The Bible said that God looked at everything and everything was good. The God now came and said, let's create man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have, a, let them have dominion. Hallelujah. Let them prosper. But look at it. Right there. Let's go to Genesis 3. Right there after God finished creating. The Bible said, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field. Which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, have God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the, serp the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that thou eatest thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay, this is where theologians have been arguing. Was the man with her, or was not with her? Why all this argument? The guy ate, she came out. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. He ate. So you see, the Bible said, after they ate, that their eyes were opened. Praise God. Look at it. Uh, verse, uh, where is it? Okay, yeah. Um, verse 7. Bar. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Praise God. Look at it. The moment they ate, listen, you know, like I was trying to explain, they were all in God's plan, right? They were enjoying the garden till the serpent showed up. So you see, my point is this, is that whenever God creates something good, God has a good plan, right? But always expect the devil to interfere. Genesis is the book of beginning, right? So we know that from Bible interpretation that if you want to find the roots of how things occur, go to Genesis and traces. It started from Genesis. The moment God created the garden, created man, they were enjoying fellowship. The devil came. So how do you now think that today, this plan that God has given you, the devil will not interfere? Mm. <laughs> we did that creating in China. <laughs> as long as it's God that created you, and as long as it's God that gave you that plan, the devil will interfere. Expect it. But we should know God's response. Look at it. Let me show you God's response. Verse 21. And the Lord God said, verse 21, And, and unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Hallelujah. You see, see God's response. In order for Adam and Eve to appear again before the presence of God, it was necessary that, you see, that their nakedness be covered. But you see what they did? They carried fig leaves, right? But it wasn't enough. But look at what God did. It was, it was for this reason that God made for them coats of skins. Mm -hmm. They fixed leaves covering that, you know, that, that they made for themselves. So it was not acceptable. Acceptably covering that covered them for them to be able to appear into the presence of God had to cost the life of, a, of an innocent animal. Blood was involved. When God came in to cause to before he starts speaking and bring out the solution, he, he carried he carried a lamb and shed the blood to cover them. That's God's response to it. It is always God's response. The blood. 
Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And that is where the problem came in from. So if you see God's solution, you should know your own response to the blood. The innocence for the guilty. Always. It is blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Redemption is costly. You have to understand that it will it costs to work with God. It costs to work in the glory of God. It will cost you to see the fulfillment of God's plan for your life. You have to understand it. So that you will know that in and in yourself, you are not worthy. You are not enough. It is blood. The blood of the, of the innocent one. It has always been that way. So I wonder why today we keep thinking it is self-effort, it is performance, it is... No! Ebenezer! Ebenezer! Look to the monument of help that has been raised for you. There's a monument of help. Listen, that is the way that God has ordained that every one of us fulfill our plan and our, uh, fulfill our God-given plan and our God-given uh, and our God-given vision through that monument of help. In ourselves, we cannot. You know, see this thing I just read for you in Genesis chapter one. You can trace it everywhere. For Adam to come again into the presence of God, and an innocent lamb had to be shed to cover their nakedness. That is how it has always been. See, I was studying the life of Abraham and I saw the Bible said Abraham was raising altars everywhere he was going. Altars everywhere he was going. He was raising altars everywhere he was going. Altars everywhere. And that is the only way that man is going to overcome. You cannot overcome any other way. It's by blood. 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 We have to understand that that is the way of escape provided for man. And that should be your first response everywhere. Don't let the suit and tie, <laughs> you know, don't let the suit and tie deceive you. You are not civil in any way. Hallelujah. Let me show you Genesis 15. Genesis 15. This is the life of Abraham, right? After these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what would that give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward in my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, 
but thou, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy, thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6 And he believed in the Lord and he counted it unto him for righteousness. Listen, you know, he, the Bible said he should tell the stars, it did not say number the stars. Mm. That means the stars said something. Praise God. The stars said something. But my point is this. The moment Abraham saw what the stars were saying and believed in it, the Bible said he was counted, he, he was, he, God, the, God counted it to him for righteousness. That means the moment God, the moment Abraham believed the story that God was giving him, he was, he was declared righteous. What's righteousness? He was set right with God. He, 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 he was given rights with God. <laughs> immediately so the only way we can be set right for God is by believing is there anything about works there in fact uh, Romans chapter 3 said uh, so, so okay let me read thank you Lord Romans 4 there is it Romans 4 yeah, Romans 4. So what shall we say then that our Abraham our, that Abraham our father has pertaining to the flesh as son? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory before, but not before God. For all the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and it was counted in him for righteousness. Bam! Praise God. So how are we set right with God today? By believing. By believing. What do we believe? We believe. We believe. Like what I was trying to say. The Bible says you should tell the stars. He should tell the stars. Listen, the Bible said that you know the stars, right? What they see, what was showed to him was the sacrifice of Jesus. Was that the son was going to come and going to die? How do I know that? Let me show you Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three. What Abraham saw in that star, right, was that look, very very soon. A son is going to come and he's going to die for you. And when he dies, right, he's going to make many righteous. That's why, look at it. Look at you. Galatians chapter 3, from verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are children of Abraham. That means Abraham was, was justified by faith. Verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heat in true faith, Preach the gospel unto Abraham, saying, Indeed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God preached what? The gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So that's what was preached unto Abraham in the stars. As Abraham saw it and believed, he was declared righteous. He was set right in the plan of God for him. So you want to be set right with God's plan for you? You want everything to go smoothly as God has said? Believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for you. It's not of works that every man should boast. It is of faith. It is of faith. Everyone that has worked with God had come to the point where they believed. Listen, even the Bible, the Bible, the Bible called Abel righteous. Because the reason why Abel took of the blood sacrifice was because he believed in the sacrifice of Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. 
He believed because it must have been passed down to him from, from Adam that this is the way to go. That's why Cain's own was rejected and Abel's own was accepted because Abel did according to the message that was preached. So I'm telling you right now, as you are going out, do according to this message that is being preached unto you. When situations and circumstances present themselves, lift up the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Declare that Ebenezer, Ebenezer, Ebenezer. That's our monument of help. Lift up the blood, lift up the cross in the midst of it, in the midst of every circumstance that is against you. Let the blood of Jesus be your final say and your only say. <laughs>